invitation. And uh, we're looking at Joshua. Is that yours? Do turn to uh, Joshua 13 if you've uh, got a Bible, uh, as we'll be referring to it through. Um, And I need to pick this up. We've been going through Joshua and uh, Roundtay, and uh, initially I wondered why Adam had asked me to preach on these two chapters, and then I read the first verse, and it became immediately obvious. But there we are. Um, And hence the question in the discussion. Um, One of the blessings of growing old, just to be personal for a minute, is you can look back and see God's goodness and the way that God sees you through the ups and downs of life. Um, It was a real privilege to be here on Thursday to remember Robert. There can't be a brick in this building that Robert hasn't touched and improved. And then I was thinking tonight, I'm probably the only one here who was here when the church bought this building. Were you around, Roger? No, I only joined in 1986. You youngsters. (laughs) Yeah, so so I look back since we bought this building and it was an utter wreck and Robert transformed it uh, over the years. Um, But what blessing there has been in this building and uh, on Thursday night there were I don't know the last 30 40 years the church has been here for 50 years hasn't it Um, but there were people from every era come together and you think how God has blessed there have been ups and downs in the past but God continues to bless and you look back over old age and uh, you, you, you can see the way the graph is going with God's goodness and you have a confidence that you can trust in him but that's not quite the theme for tonight that was just an introductory comment we're looking at this passage because actually the whole book of Joshua is about our inheritance this is the point of of what God's given us as it were through what happened in history but has been written down for our learning we have a great inheritance And and God's promise to his people as they passed through the wilderness was that there was a promised land with milk and honey that was awaiting them. I thought you'd enjoy this cartoon. As the lawyer says, I'm afraid he left everything to charity. Oh, your name's Charity, is it? (laughs) I thought that was lovely. Uh, Okay, so our inheritance from the Lord is amazing and of course the thing about an inheritance is that you're you're given it you don't earn it you might have to wait a bit for it but it just lands on your plate as it were Um, these are some of the verses from the new testament about the inheritance uh, that we've got and are pictured really in the book of joshua for us so the king will say to those on his right Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. If you're trusting the Lord Jesus, you have an inheritance that was prepared thousands of years ago when God created the world. He made the world with all its beauty and its splendor and intricacy and so on. And he made a home for you and for me 
an inheritance that he's kept. Isn't that an extraordinary privilege? Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified. So it's by the word of God that we're built up and we're made fit for this inheritance among the holy ones, those who are sanctified. Or again in Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope he's called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance. So as we read the word of God, God opens our eyes and we see the glory of what God has got for us. I love the story of Howard Carter, you know, digging for seven years in the sands of Egypt, persuading Lord Carnarvon to have, let him just have one more season to dig. And he finds these steps and he clears the sands away and there's a door and he calls for Lord Carnarvon to come over from England. And then they make, look through a hole in the door and Carnarvon says, what can you see? And Carter says wonderful things as he looks into the treasure house of Tutankhamun, the gold glittering from every corner of the room and more, of course, inside when they go into the, t the, the tomb, the, the unrobbed tomb. Paul is praying that we might know the riches of our inheritance. So we've got this extraordinary inheritance that the Lord has bought for us, purchased by his death, it's with Jesus, we will be with him forever. It starts here and now as we begin to taste it and enjoy some of the fruits, but it's awaiting for us in its glory for eternity, that our eyes might be opened. So what do we see in this, these two chapters about our inheritance? We see a challenge to Joshua to finish the job, we see two and a half tribes who are satisfied with less. We see the Levites who are given the Lord as their inheritance. And then Caleb still going strong at 85. Four examples here in the scripture for us to learn from. <clears throat> um, David Livingstone uh, was a great explorer, one of the greatest missionary explorers ever. He reached Lake Nyassa in 1867. His wife died of malaria on the way there. He continued to explore and to take the gospel. He hit upon the idea of a steamboat that could go up the river onto the lake. On the way up, his assistants died or left him abandoned. He couldn't go any further up the river because the paddles on the steamer were fouled up, wouldn't move because of the, the dead bodies of slaves who'd been thrown into the river. At that point, when you and I might have despaired, David Livingstone said, I am prepared to go anywhere provided it be forward. So let's see this challenge to Joshua to finish the job. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, and the Lord doesn't beat about the bush. You know, he doesn't say, well, you, 
You're not as old as some people, or he doesn't say, well, you're still looking good, you know. Uh, oh, I can't believe you're that old. The Lord says, you are now very old. <laughs> Call a spade a spade, and there are large areas of land to be taken over. So there's no letting up. As we go on in the, retire- in, in, in the Lord's work, we keep going as long as the Lord gives us strength. I remember reading a book on William Booth entitled No Retirement in This War. You know, the retirement from secular work, just an opportunity to do more for the Lord. And Joshua had grown old, but God said to him, there's a lot more yet that I want you to do. He was aware of the need, still large areas of land to be taken over and the need in today's world I don't need to tell you, is as great as ever. Uh, although the gospel has spread widely, so has secularism. And people reject the Lord with no good reason. There's still vast areas of the world that haven't got the gospel, and vast areas that have moved on to materialism and abandoned the gospel. Tremendous need. He has an overview of the situation. This is the land that remains. Thank you, David, for reading it. I'm glad I didn't read all those names. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, but, but, but so Joshua's given this overview of, of where he needs to go, as it were, uh, to make him aware of the need. He is to share the task, and the next few chapters divide the area up into the tribes of Israel. But Joshua himself has to do his bit. And really, it's all a spiritual challenge. God has given them the land as their inheritance, but they have to take hold of it and follow the Lord and trust the Lord. So Joshua is challenged to finish the work, just as we are challenged not to lay, lay up early, as it were, to, uh, to give up, uh, but to continue with the Lord. So that's the first lesson to learn. But then secondly, we see two and a half tribes. And I've entitled this Settling for Less. Now the two and a half tribes, it's slightly ambiguous. Joshua describes what happens. They're there in Deuteronomy as well. But just to remind you that as as the Israelites travel from the, the bottom of that map, on the right-hand side of the map through the desert uh, and then they cross the Jordan in the middle of the map, as it were. As they travel up, the two and a half tribes of Manasseh, uh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites, look around and they think, oh, this isn't too bad here. We could settle here. There's lots of grazing for our cattle. Um, I know God's promised us the promised land, but but actually, it's quite nice here. And so, I wonder, it seems to me that the two and a half tribes are satisfied with less. Now, they're not explicitly condemned in Scripture. They're not commended either. So you just don't know quite what to make of it. There are believers who, it seems to me, are content with less. Uh, they, 
They know the Lord, they're saved, they're forgiven, and they're delighted. <laughs> and they sit back and enjoy the world that God has given us. And it is a wonderful world he's given us. Many things, many pleasures, many riches that we can enjoy, his creation and, and so on, relationships. But we're aiming for the promised land. God wants more from us than this world. He wants us to work for eternity, to bring others into the kingdom, and so that we might... Um, not that you're working because you get a greater inheritance, but you're working because the Lord loved you and gave himself for you. And, and, and so you're working for treasures that are laid up beyond the blue. So here, the challenge that I think we learn from this is that we shouldn't be those for whom the promised land isn't a great draw. I was saying to Eric and Marion, you know, one of the advantages of growing old is you're nearer to heaven. <laughs> but, but we don't know what it's like, but we're going to be with the Lord. And there is that temptation to cling to the things you know rather than to focus on what is ahead, the destination, when we land on the world that God has promised, to be with the Lord forever to enjoy his presence without sin, without tears, without all that destroys our happiness in this world. So, the promised land draws us on. They preferred the green pastures, uh, the, the, the land that was around that they could see, that they could benefit from. They wanted to stay there <clears throat> And then they were accused of not following the Lord wholeheartedly. Um, as I said, Scripture doesn't condemn, doesn't approve. And, and sometimes when you know, other people choose, make different choices in life, it's not for us to condemn or to approve. You know, they're answerable to their Lord for what they do. And maybe in their circumstances, we'd do the same. But may we be those who, like Joshua and Caleb, Follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Prepared to take up a fresh challenge, even in old age, that we might gain the promised land, that we might be obedient to the Lord, and we might see his riches. Now, they did promise to go and fight, so they left the, the, their families on the east of the Jordan, and the fighting men went through. And astonishes me that even when they'd seen the promised land flowing with milk and honey, they, they, they fought like they said they would, but then they went back to the, to the wrong side uh, of the Jordan, back to the comfort and their families and the pastures uh, that they'd seen. <clears throat> they, they led the way, but they still went back. Uh, I've said that. And they didn't deal with the godless people. Um, and it caused problems and misunderstandings later on in chapter 2 of, of Joshua. They were on the fringes of, of God's people. And I think that created issues for them. So that's example number two. Then we get the mention of the Levites. And we, we didn't read this bit. Chapter 13, verse 14. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance. 
since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised them. So what do we make of the Levites? The Lord is their inheritance. You, you often get in scripture pictures within pictures. So you've got the picture of the Israelites coming into the promised land. But then there's a reminder that the land of Israel is not what it's all about. We get the Levites here who, have, who, who serve in the temple and God is their inheritance. God is our inheritance. This is Psalm uh, 27. Uh, sorry, this is, this is the bit that I've just read uh, from uh, chapter 13, verse 14. But to the tribe of Levite, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. And then back to Psalm 27. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, may this be, be our prayer. The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Now, lovely though this building is, <laughs> this is not what it's about. We don't want to spend our days here. We want to spend our days in the presence of the Lord. And the temple is the picture, you know, through the veil in the holy place where we dwell with the Lord. To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, for he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high and above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Our inheritance is the Lord. And although we might have to, to fight for it as it were, although in this world it's, it, it, it's, it's marred by, by things that enter our minds and destroy our fellowship, that is our deepest joy. Intimacy with God is our inheritance, it's our privilege and our delight. The joy of being a Christian is knowing that God is yours, that he's with you at all times. That's the lesson from the Levites. Then we come lastly to Caleb, still going strong. Now I've put a picture of Helen Rosevere up there. I don't know if you've read her biography, but, um, but it is worth a read. She died a few years ago, but she entitled her biography, Give Me This Mountain, the words taken from chapter 14, from Caleb's words uh, here. Uh, Give me this mountain, because that was her approach as she went out to be a missionary. And reading her biography, reading what she wrote later, it is just lovely to see a person whose heart was for the Lord when she was young, optimistic, naive, as she went out as a doctor to the heart of the Congo. But then later, after suffering terribly, after seeing the worst that people could do to her, still with the same heart for the Lord, still with the same confidence that he has a plan, still desiring that, that other people would hear the message of Jesus, whether in this country or in the heart of Africa. Give me this mountain. 
So she's an example of a modern-day Caleb in older years, out and out for the Lord. Caleb is still going strong. Sorry, I've got another cartoon for you. Man speaks to a skeleton at the bus stop. You've been waiting how long? <laughs> I don't know if that's your experience of bus services. Um, hopefully not. Um, so Joshua was 40 years old when he went as a spy to see... Sorry, Kate, Joshua and Caleb together went as spies. Uh, Caleb was age 40. And he spied out the promised land. Do you remember? Came back with this bunch of grapes so big it needed two people to carry them. He must have thought, wow, what God has got for us. And the ten spies said, oh, we can't do it. And Caleb said, it's a wonderful land. God is able to give it to us. But then Caleb had to wait 45 years. He wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And then we've got a few years uh, added on. Now, how long is that to wait for an answered prayer? To wait because other people have been disobedient. To hang in there with this memory of the land that you have seen, that God has promised to his people. Caleb was still going strong. He was 85 years young. Um, <clears throat> though God had blessed him with good health, one, one has to say. Uh, he trusted God's words. He, he goes back to just as the Lord has promised. He's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. As you grow older, you get more familiar with the word of God. We used to read it through in entirety once a year. And you do that a few years and you, you, you get a feel of the whole book. But in older years, perhaps some bits are more familiar than others. You remember more, but hopefully you've read it all a few times. And the word of God is precious to you. He was a man of fixed conviction. I, however, followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He trusted the Lord. The others went back, the ten spies. They, 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 they didn't really trust that God could do what he said. But Caleb held on to a God who would fulfill his promises, even if it meant waiting. And he was still wholehearted. It's lovely when you see somebody that you knew years ago and you've lost contact with them and then you meet up again out of the blue, perhaps at a funeral, and you see that they're just as keen for the Lord as when they were in their 20s or 30s. Caleb was such a man. May you and I be people like that. Maybe our bones creak a bit more, but our hearts should beat for the Lord's work just as ever it did. And he was grateful for God's keeping. He recognised it was God who'd kept him and blessed him uh, over the years. He was trusting God for strength. They're quite unusual to say I'm as strong now at 85 as I was then. But God gives us strength for the task that he's given us, that he's got in hand. 
more than that, he welcomed the challenge. So despite his years, he said, you know, bring it on. Yes, I want the hill country. I, I know it's difficult getting, you know, conquering a hill country. Yes, I know that they've strongly armed. The cities are large and fortified. You know, he knows the reality. But the Lord helping me, the end of verse 12, I will drive them out just as he said and determined to live for God. What a challenge that is. Now, there's a PS to Joshua, uh, to, to Caleb, sorry. PS to Caleb, because you see him later on. You see in the book of Judges, and you can check this out for yourself, we haven't really time to dwell. But beginning of Judges, you find him challenging others. You find him influencing his nephew. You find that his daughter had the same attitude. You find that he mentored Othniel to be one of the judges. And he passed on in all that a confident trust and a spiritual ambition. So we have an inheritance from the Lord, a great, a wonderful, special privilege and delight. And it is the Lord in our lives and all the blessings that he gives and then a future to look forward to when nothing comes between us and our inheritance. And we've learnt from these four examples. From Joshua, we learn that we need to keep growing. We need to continue with the Lord. We've never never made it. We can never sit and say, right, job done, that's me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm you know, just sitting in the easy chair till it's time to go home. We keep growing in the Lord's work. The challenge from the two and a half tribes is to desire the best, not to be content with, with less, but to want all that the Lord has promised for us. The Levites challenge us to abide in him, to make the most of this fellowship that we have, to spend time with him and with his people, to grow in his word and, and, and to recognize that whatever this world gives us, it is the Lord who is the center of our lives. <clears throat> and then Caleb with his uh, ongoing lifelong challenge. May the Lord bless us and help us to enjoy his inheritance as he challenges us to follow him. We're going to sing as our final song, Be Thou My Vision. <clears throat>